Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we've been living, as you know, through extraordinary times. We've witnessed the end of one of the longest and most consequential papacies in history, and now the beginning of a new papacy, that of Josef Ratzinger, Benedict the 16th. Often we speak of the activity of the Holy Spirit around these times of papal transition. As the cardinals gather in conclave, they all invoke the Holy Spirit. They speak of the Spirit acting through them. Do you remember at the funeral of John Paul II, the wind was blowing mightily through St. Peter's Square, kicking up all the vestments of the cardinals and, and blowing hats off their heads. And many people who were there said it was almost as though Pentecost morning were again on display. The Holy Spirit blowing mightily through the church. So, what does it mean now that the Holy Spirit, working through these cardinals, has chosen as our new Pope, Josef Ratzinger? Who is this man? What's his background? Where's he from? And what kind of Pope will he be? What I want to do now this sermon and the sermon next week is explore some of these questions. Analyze, look at, wonder about this new man, Josef Ratzinger. He was born, as you know, in Bavaria in 1927. Both the place and the time, I think, are important. If you've been to Bavaria, you know it's a place of a very vibrant, very colorful and very public Catholicism. Those beautiful Baroque churches full of color and Catholic specificity. The church cuts a very public profile in Bavaria and influences very much the institutions of that culture. Here, Bavaria is not unlike the Poland of John Paul II. This will be a theme that we hear now throughout the life and writings of Josef Ratzinger that the church belongs in the public square. It belongs in the public forum. It should cut a clear public profile. So that's the place. What about the time? Well, to be born in Bavaria 1927 was to come of age during a very dark period in human history. Young Josef Ratzinger grows up during the Nazi period. By the way, this talk about Ratzinger being a member of the Hitler Youth, I mean, there's, there's nothing to it in terms of his own convictions. Like all young kids in Nazi Germany, he was automatically enrolled. Ratzinger's family, his parents, were ardent anti-Nazis. And he himself, his whole life long, has shown a very clear hatred for just that kind of fascism. Now, here's my point. Ratzinger grew up at a time when a very high culture had turned not only decadent, but demonic. 
The culture that gave us Schiller and Bach and Beethoven, Mozart, Kant and Hegel and Goethe, that great high German culture, had turned by the 1930s desperately demonic, aggressive, dark, and murderous. Another theme that runs right through the life and writings of Josef Ratzinger is that cultures can be the bearers of great and beautiful things, and cultures can also be the bearers of demonic powers. A certain wariness in regard to the contemporary culture is a mark of the writings and thinking of Josef Ratzinger. So, as a young man, as a high school student, he becomes very interested in the priesthood and joins what we would call the high school seminary. It was the minor seminary in his world. He then goes on for advanced studies in theology. Josef Ratzinger was trained, frankly, not to be a pastor. He was trained to be a professor, an academic. He went to the University of Munich, graduating with his doctorate in 1953. Now, what was it like to study theology in the late 1940s and early 1950s? Well, it was to be caught up in a very heady movement called La Nouvelle Théologie, the New Theology. We often use that French term for it because the leading adepts of it were French, Henri de Lubac and Jean Danielou and others. What were the marks of this new theology? Well, they were convinced that the church needed to reform itself from within to overcome its hyper-defensive stance, crouching fearfully behind medieval walls. It wanted the church to reform itself from within so as to become a force and power in the world. One of the great figures in the Nouvelle Theologie was Hans Urs von Balthasar, who became a major influence on Josef Ratzinger. He wrote a book in the 50s called Raising the Bastions, R-A-Z-I-N-G, the Bastions, meaning knocking down the walls behind which the church had been crouching for too long. Raise the bastions so as to invade the world with the power of the church. What was the strategy of the Nouvelle Theologie to achieve these ends? It was to look back to the great sources. It's also called the Ressourcement movement for that reason. Back to the sources, the Bible and the church fathers. To reread these great figures so as to renew the church and to make it publicly relevant again. So, the church fathers. Young Josef Ratzinger, doctoral student during this heady time, does his work on the great Saint Augustine, that 5th century bishop of Hippo in Africa. What does he find in Augustine, who becomes clearly his intellectual hero? He finds someone who knew his own Roman culture very well. In some ways, Saint Augustine was the last of the great Romans. He knew and loved what was good and right in the Roman world. And, especially the end of his life, Augustine was someone who saw the negativities of that culture very clearly. That Rome had become decadent, corrupt, violent, self-absorbed, licentious. And Augustine emerges as one of the strongest, most vocal critics of this decadent Roman culture. So, Josef Ratzinger, 
does his work on the ecclesiology of Augustine, his theology of the church. And the church, Augustine said, is something like Noah's Ark, this tiny ship making its way through the stormy waters of a decadent culture. Is there something of that in his own thinking and writing? Yes, I'd say. The church, true to itself, true to its own ideals, will have the best influence on a world that in many ways has grown decadent and problematic. Whom else does he read? Alongside of Augustine, he reads a contemporary thinker, Romano Guardini, also one of Ratzinger's heroes. Guardini is deeply interested in the liturgy. He's one of the leaders in the liturgical renewal, and this becomes a lifelong interest, too, of Josef Ratzinger. But Guardini is also a very careful student of the contemporary modern culture, seeing its positive aspects, but also very aware of its negativities, especially in the areas of materialism, consumerism, individualism, and a hyper-stress on freedom and autonomy. I'll say much more about these things now in the next talk. But Guardini, in his very Augustinian sense of the modern culture, also has a strong influence on Josef Ratzinger. So Ratzinger gets his doctorate in 1953. He had been ordained a priest in 1951. Commences his work then as a professor, first at the University of Bonn in West Germany. Good teacher, by all accounts. Students are enthusiastic about his lectures. A good, thorough, careful professor. Well, he comes to the attention of Cardinal Frings. Cardinal Frings was the Archbishop of Cologne. Very powerful figure, important figure in the European church. And he takes notice of this young theology professor. As Ratzinger's career is getting underway, 1958 occurs. 1958, the death of Pope Pius XII, probably the sheerest embodiment of this rather defensive, crouching, medieval style of the church. Pius XII dies in 58, succeeded by Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli, Pope John XXIII. To everyone's great surprise, this elderly Italian pope calls for a council and so to Rome in the early 60s come the bishops of the world, accompanied by theologians. Well, Cardinal Frings came to Rome, summoned by John XXIII, and he had to bring with him a theologian as a peritus. That's the technical term. It just means as a theological expert. He chooses the young Josef Ratzinger, who at 35 accompanies him to the Second Vatican Council. Josef Ratzinger becomes a very important player at Vatican II. And I want to make this very clear. He remains all his life long a man of the council. He's a man for whom Vatican II was decisive. He writes many of the speeches for Cardinal Frings, including some of the more progressive, revolutionary speeches. Ratzinger writes them. More to it, like another young German professor, Hans Kuhn, who at the time was a close colleague of his, Josef Ratzinger becomes a very important player in explaining the council to Rome and to the world. 
With all his youthful energy and all his intellectual verve, he makes his way around the city of Rome, giving talks and conferences and lectures, giving press conferences, trying to stir up the energy for this Nouvelle Theologie that he had learned as a young man, and explaining to the world what the bishops were about. So he played an important role? Absolutely. Is he behind the writing of some of the major documents of Vatican II? Yes, he is. So when the council ends, 1965, Josef Ratzinger is a fairly major player. And I think it's fair to say he is seen as one of the very strongest progressive voices in the church. Council ends 1965. In 1966, Ratzinger lands a job at the big leagues of German theology at the University of Tübingen in southwestern Germany. And again, he's a colleague of Hans Kung. And there he commenced his career as a kind of theological superstar, if I can put it that way. Someone who was a major player at the council and who now has this task of explaining the council to the world. Does Cardinal Ratzinger, I say Cardinal Ratzinger, does Josef Ratzinger change? Well, in my next sermon, I'll explore that a bit. In this period, just after he comes to the University of Tübingen, he does undergo some shifts in his thinking, certainly shifts in emphasis. But again, as I close this sermon, I want to reiterate, he was a man of the council, and he will remain a man of the council all through his career. And as he enters the papacy, he does so as a spokesperson for the Second Vatican Council. As we gather now next week, I'll say more about Josef Ratzinger's career and how his thinking and theology have developed over these years. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.